0: Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, My goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions, and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of It's Not a Crisis. I cannot believe that I have done 14 already. I love doing this podcast I don't think I've ever loved doing anything as much as this so I really hope I can continue to do this (laughs) first I just want to ask you very kindly and I know it's annoying I don't like doing it either but if you could please rate and review the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts because that helps to reach a greater amount of women that we can all help together so I would really appreciate it even if you hate it it would mean a lot to me (laughs) So as I've mentioned before, I'm somewhat of a serial entrepreneur. If I listed all of the businesses I've had since I left college, we might be here all day. But in my 20s, I would get an idea and I would go with it immediately. And um, I I was really disappointed if it wasn't an instant success. I was very impulsive. And they would do well, but then I would realize I didn't have the funds to continue it or I didn't have the people that could work for me or even the mindset to keep going. And as I got older, I got a little less impulsive and I spent more time sorting what exactly it was that I wanted to do. I still have a million ideas every day for business ideas, but I've learned that I can't implement them all and then there just won't be success if I'm doing too many things at once. In this current state of our world right now, I'm starting to reevaluate everything. I'm not sure about you, but one of the things is the time that I had put into my job and what I was taking out of it the time away from my family and so many other things. I'm actually reevaluating my career as a fine jewelry designer. While I took classes and I had a mentor and I did as much research as possible, I definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I don't think I realized how much of the industry is not who I am. For example, I absolutely dislike sales. I hate selling things. Yeah, right, you might say wrong industry. I don't like mingling in order to sell things. I don't like going to the trunk shows or the jewelry shows or small group sales. It all makes me really anxious. I am an artist. I prefer to be behind the scenes creating the art, just like being behind the microphone talking to you. It's definitely more of my comfort zone. Although I love people and I can talk to anyone, but there were just so many things about jewelry that felt very uncomfortable to me that it wasn't worth it for me to continue to do those things. So I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm Working on that at the moment, I will be doing something to keep my foot in the industry. This was not a segue to sell jewelry, by the way, because, again, I don't like doing that. But if you do like jewelry, my entire collection is 50% off through the holidays on DoranMalik.com. See? How'd I do? But no pressure. Just take a look. If you like it and you want to tell friends and you want to buy someone a gift, there are some really, really good prices for fine jewelry. So this brings me to today's guest This is going to be a great show because I know that many of you are reevaluating your current job situations. You're probably getting inspired by the pandemic for a new business idea, or you just want to start a business after many years of staying at home with kids. And actually, that's a topic that I'm going to cover in a completely different podcast, so keep checking in for that one. So today, we're going to tackle five tips to getting your business idea started. And my guest today is not only a genius, but she is a female powerhouse, my daughter's best friend's mom, and has become my friend as well. As a partner in Two Cents Riot, Don Nato thrives in the messy area where ideas first spark. Two Cents Riot works with aspiring entrepreneurs, side hustlers, in place pioneers, and lean teams. They provide company and product naming services, home business, and startup strategy, and resume coaching to help founders and individuals move from ideation to execution. Don has extensive experience in new product development from inside the startup landscape and innovating within the structure of big corporations. From the chairman's office of Goldman Sachs to Time Magazine Best Invention winner, she understands the challenges of getting things done regardless of the scale. Dawn also loves to hit things and as a former Krav Maga instructor, mostly <laughs> inside-the-court tennis player and a beginning banjo player, although not all at the same time. I should also mention that she's hilarious and she's as real as can be. Dawn, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited. We were having drinks a few weeks ago while our daughters Mm -hmm. were at a party. And um, we started talking about this and I said, oh my God, we have to make this a podcast. This is so amazing. (laughs) I knew what you were doing, but like me, you're kind of always doing a bunch of different things. So I Mm -hmm. I didn't know exactly. And when you told me about it, I just know that there are a lot of women who are going to find this so incredibly helpful. I think where I want to start with you is I'd love to know what
1: inspired you to start Two Cents Riot with your partner, Elizabeth Chapin. It was really an evolution. And I have to thank the pandemic for that. We have been consulting together for a while since we closed our last startup, which was called Vonk. And we were part of an incubator at NYU. We closed that in 2018. And then just continued to do some consulting. But over the pandemic, we uh, realized that we consistently get asked to do some of the same things. And we also really wanted to figure out how we could work with more women, more female founders, and more really small businesses. We've done work with bigger companies. And I get really excited in this blank space. And it's a space I, I enjoy. And I think there are more people who have great ideas for businesses, and they need to share their two cents with the world. Um, that's where the name came from, Two Cents Riot. We are both really committed, particularly to women, but but you know the odd great men too, for more people to kind of do what they love and figure out how to create work that is meaningful, but that is on their own terms. Um, and I think women especially really need that these days. Absolutely. It's actually really...
0: Sad to me how many women are having to change their careers because of COVID and, um, you know, th- their careers becoming secondary to their husbands. I keep seeing it over and over again. And it's it's. Not really fair, but I, I have somehow feel that as women we're gonna get around this and come out stronger. And that's where you come in. Today we're talking about five tips to getting your business idea started. And I think this is so important because what you're doing is you're you're starting from you know, wherever level somebody comes to you, but you're starting with almost a psychological component to it that I think is really important. And as a business owner myself, looking back on when I started, I wish I had something like this, because I think it would have helped me to understand who I am before delving into something without having that idea. So I'd love to start with tip one, which is know yourself.
1: I've always thought, and I'm sure you feel this too, as a serial entrepreneur, that starting a business is sort of the ultimate journey of self-awareness and self-discovery because you learn so much about yourself for the good and for the bad sometimes, but it's all information. It's sort of like becoming a mother. I mean, it's very much like becoming a mother. I have started two businesses solely by myself and been part of other startups, but the two I started myself felt like children. And I felt very, very personal about them. And I learned a lot about it, but I do think that the, the big tip or in, in know yourself is what is your why behind your motivation to start your own thing? And and what do you want to share with the world? And why do you want to do this? Because there's a lot of different reasons and it's not always about money. Um, although there's also opportunity for women perceived opportunity to have a lot more control over their schedule. And it's true when you work for yourself, you definitely have more control over how you spend your time. But as a founder, I'm sure you yourself have experienced, it doesn't necessarily mean you have more time. You actually sometimes end up working more, (laughs) but it's a little (laughs) more on your own terms. Mm -hmm. And so I I think a lot of people think they're going to have a lot more time if they do their own thing. And, I I do think that's a bit of a misconception. I
0: I have to side note that, that my husband, my husband, you know, Ty um, is starting a a business right now. And um, I was talking a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. And he's like, why didn't you tell me that I'd have less time? And I said, you know how many times I've told you that? I mean, have
1: you not watched me over the past few years? It's so true because you're putting all your energy into this and you're thinking about it much like a newborn and it requires a lot of time and care and, Feeding and support. So understanding why you want to do your own thing. Is it the content of what you're working on that you're super excited and passionate about? Uh, Is it the ability to have more control? Are you kind of being driven by compensation? And then also really know yourself. What is your capacity, your realistic capacity? How much time can you spend to this? What kind of money are you willing to put into it? What kind of support network do you have, both professional and personal? And then this is another really big personal know yourself one, what are your goals? Like what will success feel like to you? And coming up with a definition or a set of goals and a definition of success that is something that is realistic. You know, everybody would like to make millions of dollars and, you know, be like, you know, Sarah Blakely, the Spanx founder. I mean, that woman is a genius, but we're not all going to get right there. But maybe it will feel really successful to you if you see um, something you created on a on a shelf. Maybe you would feel really good if you could have a little bit of side income and have five or six clients for whatever service offering you're going to offer. Or maybe it's something you want to start small and grow over a period of time. Maybe you're trying to change behavior. We worked with one founder and her Her goal was to really just reduce plastic bag use in her own community. She'd been a stay-at-home mom for years and had never really thought about herself as sort of an activist or founder or entrepreneur and just had no idea, how do I go about impacting this one change in my community? And so we worked with her around that. But having a set of goals that are meaningful to you, I think is important. And then a time frame that... Uh, Is significant to you, so that you can begin to plan. And the time frame can be huge. We've also worked with another founder who has a nine-to-five job, and she's been creating a product for a pet company for a couple years, and she has been working on it very slowly, but she's really getting there. And where she is now is very different than where she was two years ago. And she's given herself a nice long time horizon because it is a true side hustle. It's something she has to do while. She's supporting herself at her her nine to five job. I think those are all sort of parts of the knowing yourself.
0: I feel like as uh, we get older, success means something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when I was younger, it was about making money. Yeah. And by the way, even over seven years ago with my business, it was like, I want to win awards. I want to be in a great retailer. I want to be in Vogue. And I achieved all of those things. And and while I'm proud of those things, I still don't know if that's what I was looking for success-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting and... and I don't think it was financially either, but I feel with every few years we change and, and I think that I talk about this all the time with women our age, you know, what
1: does success feel like to you? So I think that's such an important question. It is. And it's also you shouldn't feel bad and this is again back to that in really knowing yourself. If you want to be featured in a magazine, you want to be part of the Inc. five hundred or you want to have somebody write a profile and you wanna see your picture in the pages of a magazine or you wanna be on TV, that is a Perfectly fabulous and wonderful goal. And my suggestion would be to acknowledge that to yourself so that you can backtrack from what that is. Because sometimes I think women are uh, afraid to sort of even admit to themselves some of the secret desires of their ego. Because you've already achieved those things for you, Doran, it's easier to say, I realized once I got them that maybe I wanted something different. I- I've also, you know, been in magazines and been on TV, and it was easier for me to walk away from that in my next job because I had already gotten that. Do you know what I mean? And so sometimes maybe people want that or need that for themselves. And I would encourage everyone to dream as big as they want, but to let the dreams suit sort of their innermost desires of their heart. Absolutely. And I and I also didn't mean that I'm not
0: grateful for for having all of those things. I know. I I really am. The other thing I was thinking that there was one one goal I had that I have not achieved is is red carpet. (laughs) Actually, most people don't know this. Uh, A lot of these actors are paid by Mm. the jewelry houses. So and it's a lot. So some of the smaller designers never quite get out, out there.
1: Yeah, it's getting in harder and harder to get that kind of like Huge recognition. And I think it can also be a kind of ever moving target that can feel you can find yourself chasing it and never quite achieve what you thought you were going to achieve.
0: Okay. So, number
1: two, write it, say it, research it. I feel like the very first thing you have to do is start by like speaking your idea to more than just, you know, your immediate family, but your immediate family is a great place to start it. You have to sort of let the idea have light and air. I, I feel like ideas are living things, and they need to be fed to grow. And I'm surprised how many people haven't written their idea. They might've talked about it. When we work with new people and starting their our side hustle starter, which is a like get started thing, what we do a, a survey in advance and that you have to write about it. Several people have been like, wow, I hadn't had to write the idea down. That's a big part of it. Talking about it, writing it, and then researching it. So you really want to be a consumer of your business before your business exists. So you want to be in the spaces where it might be, whether it's shopping in those stores or online in the communities where you might find it. Be familiar with the space that that you will be playing in and be your best first customer. And then also do research and try and understand the big levers of the business. Is it a product business or a consumer business? How much cash might it require upfront and begin to sketch it out? But you don't have to get hung up in spreadsheets early on because I think that can also be daunting and intimidating. And there's a lot of steps to take to getting down the path of starting your idea before you have to create a business plan or a huge robust business model in Excel. A lot of people get intimidated by this idea of a business plan. While I think it's really important to sketch out and understand the financial aspects of your business, it doesn't always have to be the first thing you do in the first beginning months of starting something. Because for a lot of people who've never started something, it's some of these other elements of really uh, doing some research and thinking about and getting to know all the aspects of your business and the money sort of the money piece falls into that as you're beginning to compile your research.
0: I love that you're saying this because when I started out I did this really intense business plan. I hired somebody to help me projected sales goals and the next mm-hmm. you know, three years, five years, 10 years and not only did I never refer back to that, right. because <laughs> it was almost overwhelming. It was there was so much information, but I definitely didn't meet those goals. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it, it just like one more thing to make you feel like you're not doing it right. So I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that that's not necessarily what you need to do. I, I never realized that
1: business plans are great. If you're trying to raise money from you, you will need a business plan if You need to raise money from an angel investor or obviously a VC or um, even friends and family where you're going to ask other people for money outside of a crowdsourcing uh, mechanism. But beyond that, the business plan then is a tool for you as the founder to help you guide your business and assess risk and understand all the elements of it. And I don't think it has to be super elaborate. And I think you can get to those answers in a very different way. And I I just think business plans are a tricky animal that people get really hung up with because they think they're supposed to do it. And I'm sort of like, "Eh, maybe, maybe not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good. It's a different way to approach it. I like that. Number three is define it. What type of business is it? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, I think there's so many kinds of businesses, right? And in writing and researching your idea, you know, writing about it to friends and people when you're start first starting out, you will intuitively know, obviously, is it a product business? Is it a service business? Is it something you're gonna sell direct to consumers? Are you gonna try and sell it in retail? Are you selling it online? Are you providing what we would call B2B services where you're selling directly to other businesses? Are you gonna be sitting behind? another service provider and, and providing services to them. So really understanding what kind of business it is. And then it, this is back to what you were saying. You've mentioned before Doran, about not loving to do trunk shows and selling. So matching the type of business to your interests and talents, how you want to interact with the business, right? Because you need to know yourself and what you like to do, what you're, best at? And where are you going to be most likely to put most of your time and energy that's going to help tailor a business to suit you? So for example, if you want to create a product, you have an idea for a product, but you really don't want to be on social media, that might require you to think a little bit more about how you're going to sell that product because like it or not right now, social media, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, even TikTok are, are ways that people are selling products to get direct to a targeted customer. That doesn't mean that's the only way you can sell a product. And if you know you have no interest in spending time building a following in a brand, th- that's fine. Then you can put that to the side and say, well, what type of business might I create that doesn't require me to do that? And an example would be if you were going to, if you had an idea for a product, you might want to partner with an existing brand and say, look, I have this great idea for a product. It really suits your brand. I will deliver it to you. You can co-brand it. It would be white label. And that would be a way for you to see your product out in the world. But you don't necessarily have to have all the energy and time of developing an Instagram following because that's not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. So I think it's important to know what you're best at and what you want to do and that also gets back to you know knowing yourself what's your capacity how much time do you have what are your resources product companies also require upfront cash i know very few product companies that don't require an outlay initially of cash to either create a prototype or molds or something and so if you don't have that kind of cash and you don't want to fundraise then maybe there's another avenue to explore to do something that's similar or related to your initial idea.
0: And if somebody comes to you and they're not exactly sure how to get this product out or Mm -hmm. if they want to go wholesale or, you know, whatever they want to do, is that part of what you do to help them to hone in
1: on that somehow? Yeah, definitely. I think I really like to one obviously always start with the idea what is it that what's the spark the what that somebody wants to share with the world what's their two cents and then figuring out what gets them really excited and then matching the idea to sort of the founder really and helping them nuance the idea out so that it has the shape and structure that feels doable to them because there's really no point having an idea or a business that doesn't suit you as the founder. And I think that's a shame. We've also worked with people who, We start down the path of their idea. They have an idea for something, a business. And we start sketching it out and asking all the questions and digging into it and really getting into the, where are you going to find your customers? How are you going to market to them? And the idea shifts or changes, or they've decided, you know what? I actually don't want to do that. What I really want to do is write a blog on this subject, or I'm going to write a book. And sometimes people take left turns. But the good thing about that is the pain of not knowing is a very real pain. So if you always walk around and are like, I had this great idea, I could have been a bajillionaire, it'll sort of like sit there on your on your shoulder and, and bother you. And I, I fully believe that if you sort of walk down the path a little bit, the path may veer and take a turn. And you get to take that turn as long as you're on the path. But if you never get on the path, you're never going to get the opportunity to kind of choose left or right. I'm sure in your many founding experiences, you yourself have made choices, right? You'll make a choice. You'll say, I'm going to do this, not that. And all of a sudden that opens up another door to another avenue or opportunity that you wouldn't have gotten if you had gone right instead of left.
0: Well, I've also had a lot of ideas that I've seen other people do. Yeah. And I've got, and and then they've been super successful and I'm like, ah, it kills me. But at the same time, that person probably had more money behind them to do it. Or Mm -hmm. they had, you know, they had the right connections at that time to do it that I probably didn't have. But I've just had so many ideas. And when I see it happening, I'm like, no, that was my idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. It's trade-offs though. Like not everybody. I I do feel like the thing I've learned over the years and, and watching ideas come and go into the world is whenever I feel that way, I always come back to my own capacity. And I remember that I have sometimes made choices to go left instead of right because I didn't have the capacity at the time to do whatever it was that was required to move something forward or to follow a particular opportunity all the way where it was going to go. Cause I didn't either, I didn't want to travel or I wasn't in a position to wanting to work the hours or I just wanted to be home with my kids. And so sometimes I think women especially have that experience of having had to let things go and it is really hard. You can't, you can't have it all, all at the same time. I mean, that's like the oldest cliche of motherhood, but you can have it at different times in your life. And sometimes by the time you get the chance to have it, you find it you don't want it anymore, which is, I think what you were saying earlier, you know, back to some of the experiences that you've had, you've, You've had them, and now you can sort of let them go. Yes, and I and I think at our age, especially, we're starting to care less
0: about certain Mm -hmm. things, and and so you know how we're looking at this next chapter of our lives and what we want to be doing with it. I think is is very different. So I think if you're doing the work with you um, at different stages of your life, it's going to change drastically.
1: Totally, and and I think the world has changed too. I think, as you said at the beginning, that we're going to see this these changes for the better, particularly for women, but that we all have sort of paused and said, okay, I'm going to take a stock of what's really important to me. How can I contribute to making a positive change in the world? And I do think the more people who do work that they love, I don't think every business has to, you know, be a energy saving self-driving car or way to create water from dirt, but it, is great when people do work that they love because they're inspiring other people. They're feeling good about themselves and they look for opportunities to lift up others. And that is what the world definitely needs more of in whatever shape it takes. Absolutely. So number four is who is your ideal customer? I think this is a sort of a big one. A lot of founders are the customers themselves. They create products that they or services that they want to see in the world that they can't find themselves. And so they sort of create it and they are their ideal customer. But I think you can go a little bit beyond that and really get in your mind a picture of your customer. Where do they shop? What do they do with their free time? What other products or services are they buying? who's going to buy what you are selling? And then how are they going to, how do you envision them buying it? Like really get down to the logistics. Like how are you going to let people know about it? Are you doing crowdfunding? Are you going to take out ads somewhere? Are you partnering with people because the type of customer you are will help dictate how you're going to find them. If you're marketing services to a law firm, you don't really need to be on Instagram. You can market to them through journals or professional associations or in another way. And you also might have more than one customer. And this this has definitely happened to me. When we created our action figure business, we thought we were selling to parents of girls, um, because we designed designed a line of female action figures with a better breast-to-hip ratio and that were more appropriate. And we realized actually in doing it, we had a whole secondary customer base of adult male collectors. And we just never thought we were going to have action figure collectors as a real customer base. And we did. and, And that was really interesting for us. And we were able to pivot there. So you might have more customers than you think. And as you get into it, you'll be able to expand and that gives you opportunity for growth. But thinking about your customer first, having a picture in your mind of them is really important. Were those customers creepy? (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, I'm maybe somewhere, but um, no, we, it's, you know what, the action figure community is a really, really cool. And we did a a lot of events. We went to Toy Fair and Comic-Con and we did a bunch of really interesting things and were able to engage with customers and collectors in a new way. And I learned a ton about action figures in doing it and uh, plastic manufacturing, mm-hmm. but um, it, was, it was very cool. But it's neat. I, yeah. It's a good lesson that you never quite know who your customer is and don't shut off customer whole groups of customers too, too early on. Well, I want to use an example of this because I think
0: when I started out, I had the idea who my customer was. Mm-hmm. And over time and from experience of trunk shows or doing jewelry shows and talking to retailers or just talking to friends and consumers, I realized that my customer wasn't, she wasn't the customer that wanted what everybody was wearing and what was trendy Mm -hmm. and what was happening. And, you know, she, she wanted to be the one that found a designer that people didn't know about and found Mm -hmm. a piece of jewelry that was, um, you know, modern but still classic. And it's actually a lot harder to sell to that customer because mm-hmm. it's narrow. It's much easier. It would be a lot easier for me to design trendy jewelry mm-hmm. and distribute it all over than it is to come up with, you know, somewhat unique ideas that there's only a certain customer base that's really looking for that. And that was a challenge and something I didn't expect to happen. I I, I found those people, actually a lot of people in the art community,
1: it was trial and error. You know, yeah. No, it's interesting, and I I would say that in doing that, you were very much true to yourself because you were you knew what you liked and how you wanted to design. And also, it sounds like you probably had a really good sense of your goals and why how you wanted your business to run. Because you clearly could have just gone down the path of designing a particular on trend and marketing doing mass market, and you it sounds like probably made the conscious choice to stay in a more focused way that was more true to the art that you wanted to create and, and the business you wanted to build. So sounds like you really know yourself. Well, <laughs> I, know I, you wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't go that far. <laughs> There's so much to learn. Okay. Number five is begin. Mm-hmm. How
1: do you begin? I feel like this is actually the most critical step. you got to like, just start. And you start... It's like with jumping in a pool of cold water. 100%. 100%. Right. No step is too small. So I'm a big, big fan of micro steps. When I was at Fast Company Magazine, one of our columnists was a guy named David Allen, who has a book called Getting Things Done, and he would write for us and we got to know him quite well. And I spent a lot of time with him over the years, but he is a big fan of micro steps and it's just breaking something down. If you set a goal for yourself and you're not getting it done, it's because the goal is too large. And so a step might be today, I'm going to spend 15 minutes researching my idea. I'm going to put my idea into the Google search engine and see what pops up. Or today I am going to invite a friend for coffee, and I'm going to say, hey, I've had this idea about starting a business. I just, can I share it with you? And whatever it is, you know, come up with a whole set of micro steps. And once you do one, you can set the other. Your first steps are going to be around one to four, which is knowing yourself, speaking it, writing it, researching it. And those are easy steps to get started because they just rely on you and they cost you absolutely no money. But I encourage you to sort of write yourself a set of goals. And then I'm also a very big fan of accountability. So that's why we we say we're personal trainers for people's ideas. You can use your friends, you can use Facebook groups. I'm not a big fan of using family for accountability. I feel like familial relationships are very loaded. And while it's great to talk about an idea with a spouse or a partner or sibling, it can get a little loaded, their responses to you and your responses to them. So I would encourage you to actually find a, somebody that you know professionally who's interacted with you in a different capacity in your life or a fellow mom and become co-mentors. I actually have a co-mentor and have we have talked every three weeks uh, for the last, I mean, off and on for the last 25 years. We worked at our first job out of college together. She also does her own thing. Uh, her name's Sarah Leslie. Hey, Sarah. And she has a great company called In Other Words out in California. And at times when I was solo working and didn't have a business partner, it was very helpful to set accountability for myself and say, okay, I'm going to do these things. And then in three weeks, she would be like, hey, did you do those things? We wrote an article in Fast Company about it, which we can I can send you the link to about being a co-mentor. And then I think that goes along with just don't ghost yourself. Honor yourself in your time. If you put time on your calendar to do something for your idea whether it's to do research or to write something or to spend some time sketching out your idea don't put, let that time drift just like when we set time for ourselves to work out you need to honor that time because it's really important and i find moms often put their selves on the back burner and something that has no immediate payoff can feel like it's easy to push But I would encourage you to set small time increments and honor those time increments. I love that. I love that. That's so important. You put it on your calendar. I
0: mean, that's what I do with certain things. It's like, it's a meditation. I'm like, I stick it in my calendar because I just have to buy myself and I don't make any plans around that time. I think it's so important to do that, not just with this, with, with so many other things so that we remember ourselves. When I first started out, I had a mentor who had been in the industry and was, she wasn't a designer. She worked with designers And Unfortunately, she passed away, um, but she was really instrumental in helping me in the beginning. But as I went into the business a little bit more, I, I really gravitated towards the designers that were not jealous and catty and were helpful. And I have a very good friend who's an extraordinarily talented designer. Her name is Melissa Kay. And I actually, out of all Designers, besides my own work, I own a few of her pieces because I love her work. It wasn't until later in my career that I found her, but such a great person to bounce things off of and to kind of look at what I was doing compared to what she was doing and and be able to explain after getting to know me, why it wouldn't work for me, <laughs> you know, it was so interesting. So it was, it was almost a, a friendship, but it was a, it is a friendship, but it was also helpful to have somebody who's doing exactly what you're doing without any sort of, you know, competition or jealousy or anything like that.
1: I would also say, uh, you know, to to build on that, if you don't have anyone in your current network or your community who is a founder or does exactly what you want just pick a friend and ask them to hold you accountable. Pick your best friend and say, look, I really want to do this thing. And I need to get started. And I need you to just like, have a call with me in two weeks. And I'm going to do these five things and make sure I've done them. Because the first couple weeks and months of a new idea are the times when you're so likely to ghost yourself and let it go and not sort of push through because it's very uncomfortable in that empty space and you feel very vulnerable and you feel stupid because you're you don't know i mean i've taught myself how to do so many things that i didn't know using the google and you know like i didn't know when i first created a action viewer i didn't know how to get a barcode like they were like the factory that hired was like okay send the barcode art and i was like huh And they're like, you know, the barcode art. And I'm like, sure, I know the barcode art. Like Googling, I'm like, how do you get a barcode? Like, who knew? There's like one organization that gives barcodes and you have to pay for them. And, you know, so I had to learn all about barcodes. And that was like pretty far down the path i was still learning also i would find people on linkedin like when i was trying to learn about plastics manufacturing and i knew absolutely nothing i would ask people who seemed to be experts professors in the field if they would just talk to me for 15 minutes and let me ask a few questions and that was incredibly helpful to learning the jargon and the the issues and some of the questions that might come up and People are willing to talk if you're respectful of their time and you're asking very focused questions. So there's a, a lot out there and I think you can take advantage of the goodwill that people have because you can pay it pay it back and um, pay it forward when the opportunity comes to you.
0: And I think that's the difference between starting a business when you're younger and when you're older because I mm-hmm. think that when I was younger, I was definitely... A little bit more entitled, thought I knew it all, and was more <laughs> stubborn. So, like, I would never go do that research. I did a little research, but I knew what I was doing, you know. Right. Whereas now we realize uh, we young, we don't know much, <laughs> and, and we're not embarrassed to figure out to say we don't know what we're doing and we need help and we need to go to totally find out how to do that. So it's funny when I I, I think back and go I cringe
1: a little bit. I know. Uh, I don't think I would go back to my 20s other than for my boobs for anything <laughs> um, on the of the planet. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah,
0: I agree. I should have taken
1: a picture of them when I was 20. But that's
0: <laughs> or that's like a whole other podcast. appreciated your boobs. You're 20. Like, just appreciate everything. I know. Oh, man. Youth is wasted on the, the young.
1: elasticity
0: of the skin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I had a funny question for you. Do you ever get someone who comes to you and you're just like, I no, like, this, uh,
1: like, I can't, I can't help you with this idea. I've gotten people that I think I can't help you with the idea. So I do think it's a personality question. I mean, yes. And some people have come to me with really stupid ideas. If the idea is stupid, but the person is reasonable, you can say, here's the reasons why I think there might be some challenges with, with what you're proposing But it sounds like you really want to be, you're really committed to being a founder. Talk to me more about what you want to do and why you want to do it and what you're really good at. And sometimes we can find another idea that is just either a tweak on the existing one or or a better fit for their skills and talents and what they have to offer the world. Then there are people who come, and actually not that many because these types of people always think they know it anyway who just don't have the temperament and the attitude is not one that I think is a good chemistry fit. And and in that case we are usually like, you know, that sounds like a great idea. It's a little bit too big or too complicated for us to help you in sort of Godspeed because I do think that you have to be willing to know what you don't know to be a founder and like you were just saying you really have to understand that you're going to have to ask a lot of questions and there is no way to know at all. And also people who think they're going to make a million dollars within you know, the first three months. And I'm not saying those ideas do not exist out there, but you cannot go in thinking you've got a unicorn because... You are, that is a hard way to start a business. So, my first mentor said to me,
0: It takes three to five years to be an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> and then my father and brother, who are both entrepreneurs, both told me that you are probably going to make a mistake almost every month of your business (laughs) and you just learn from those mistakes Mm -hmm. and, you know, you move forward and those mistakes are what are going to make you more successful. But no one's going to go into doing a business and do it perfectly, even if they have you behind them, which is amazing (laughs) and wonderful that you're doing this. But, but it's just, it's just kind of the way it goes. That's life, right? I mean, how life is. Absolutely. Well, I love that you're doing this, and I just wish you so much success with it because I think, especially now, women really need this. And um, with all of your experience and your wisdom, this is just going to take off. And, and it already has taken off, but I think even more so. Thanks. Don and Elizabeth are offering a
1: very generous discount. Or
0: yeah. about, do you want to tell everybody about it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we're going to offer 15% off any service on our site. We offer a couple services, but the one that might be um, really exciting based on this call is we have a one-hour side hustle starter session, which is really just a one-hour call with the two of us. It includes a pre-call survey, so you get a chance to write down your idea. We do an in-depth conversation, which we record. We give you specific feedback and triage of the business idea. And then afterwards, we give you an action plan with suggested next steps. And that's just like a 60-minute sort of like, you know, if you're going to go for a nutrition consultation with a nutritionist or a personal trainer, we're going to give you the idea and say, here's, here's your plan. And then obviously we work with people going forward, but it's 15% off of anything on this website. So we also offer uh, resume coaching and people who are making career changes. And we do offer company and product naming services. So we do that as well. If, Somebody needs a name for the business, but fifteen percent off of anything. Use the code not a crisis. Not a crisis. What do you think of my podcast name? I love it. Okay, I love yeah. it.
0: I had to do I an explanation it. on on social media the other day because I had some woman who contacted me. She was, she wasn't a listener, but she started saying, I, "I don't know why you're saying it's not a crisis. The world is in crisis. Women's mm-hmm. rights are in crisis. Everything is in crisis. How can you say it's not a crisis?" And I said. The point is, it's not a midlife crisis. It's a midlife transition. I don't like the word midlife crisis. And Mm -hmm. so that's why we call it. It's not a crisis. And how do we look at this positively and try to make
1: the most of it? So I think it's great because I think it makes you I've I've said before, great names make you lean in as if you're going to be told a secret um, and you want to hear a little more. And I feel it's a lean in kind of name. Well, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Can you
0: also tell? I will have this in the show notes as well as my website. But your website is twocentsriot.com. Okay, easy enough. Don, thank you so much thank for coming you. on today. This is so much fun. And by the way, you like you want to work with Don because she's just a really fun person, and you'll find that like you'll become friends and laugh, and uh, <laughs> she'll she'll let her real side out. That's which is, right. Which That's is my right. favorite. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you again.
1: And, um, if there are any follow-up questions, are you okay with me forwarding those off to you? Please send them or anyone can email me. I'm dawn at two cents, riot.com or info at two cents, riot.com. We're, we're always here and happy to, uh, talk to anybody about anything. We also have a free 20 minute, just looking session. So if somebody wants to book just 20 minutes, we'll talk to anybody. So. Okay, great. Thank you so much for
0: listening remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast, and please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis.